This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Uh. I'm Seth Peterson. Hi, I'm Debbie Hedren. I'm Rhonda Schwartz. I'm Josh Roberts. This is Jesslyn Gilson. Hello, I'm Victor Webb. Hi, this is Charlotte Ross. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. What's up, you guys? This is AJ from the Fashion Club. Hi, this is Shannon Elizabeth, and you're listening to Talking Pets. Talking Pets. Talking Pets. And you're listening to Talking Pets. Talking Pets. Talking Pets. With John Patch. John Patch. You're listening to Talking Pets with John Patch. Hello, America, and welcome to Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. Join John and his expert guests with all of your pet questions, concerns, comments, and stories. Now it's time for Talkin' Pets with your host, John Patch. And welcome to Talkin' Pets, heard coast-to-coast on your favorite radio station. This is Talkin' Pets, and I'm John Patch. Joining us is... Jasmine, the dog trainer. Here to answer your training questions and your behavior questions about your pets at 844-305-7800. When you call into that number, you'll speak with Darian, and he'll put you on the air with us. That's 844-305-7800. The show is produced here at the farm by... Devin Leach. Thank you, Devin. Once again, this is Talking Pets. Give us a call at 844-305-7800. For the last 16 years, Jocelyn Kessler has made it her mission to redefine the relationship between ourselves, our animals, and the communities we live in by understanding one another differently. In that time, Jocelyn has worked all across the country with people, animals, communities, businesses, and the entertainment industry. I want to welcome onto the program uh, Jocelyn Kessler. Hey, Jocelyn, how you doing? Hey, John, I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me today. Of course, and um, I want to introduce you in the studio. Uh, Jasmine's here, and Devin. Hi, Jocelyn. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Great. <laughs> now, you were on the show many years ago for a book uh, that you had, and, and what was the title of that book, Jocelyn? Yes, it was for the secret language of dogs at that time. That was a good book. That I was on. <laughs> and you had me on, I think, early in the game, which I truly appreciate, and thank you for having me again. Oh, definitely. Uh, because you have an organization out there that you you have going, and it's called Being Animal. And the website is being-animal.com. Tell us a little bit about the background of the organization, Being Animal. I, You know, Being Animal has been in the back of my mind for years. And even starting with, you know, it's, it's along the lines, the same concept as Secret Language of Dogs. It just needed an evolution of me being out in it and experiencing exactly 
what I wanted to put into place about how to learn off the commonalities of, let's just use your dogs or your animals, where you could expand your life and that they were more tools for us. Um, we love them. They're unconditional. But that if we really reapproach the relationship that we have with our animals, we could actually learn quite a bit. And it took an evolution of time of me working out in the field and really also I, I, I kind of fell off the map for a little bit and just started to work with people, animals, communities, businesses without publicizing so I could really see what being animal would come into. Now what this is and what we're launching is that rather than just me working privately, which I have for so many years, I'm really interested in the unique relationships between people and their animals across the country, ones that we don't really hear often about, special ways that maybe perhaps, as an example, you and your dog um, can expand business together. You know, we're in very uncertain times and we're taking different approaches, and I'm finding that people are really wanting to connect differently with their animals, and I've really waited for this time. And being animal encourages, and it's more of a, I wanted to make it a hub where we highlight people's special stories throughout the country, and if we can get to them and and film them and, and, and show what they're doing to improve their relationships together and learning together, um, that's what I would like to do. So in turn... If we do this correctly, there's an empathy that's different than what we're usually seeing. And that empathy with ourselves, with our animals, and with our community, even if it's just a little bit and it's one tool of all the tools we have, that empathy could really help us expand and get out of tough times um, and really trust our intuition and our decision-making, which I think is really valid right now. And so being animal is really looking to explore those unique relationships, not the ones we've heard so much about. You know, I couldn't imagine actually living life, and I don't know how some people do it, without having an animal in their life. Um, they bring so much joy and so much comfort and such a bond to us that it's amazing. Actually, Jasmine's sitting here in the studio and and um, Shadow, my one, my black cat, and she's gorgeous, like so sleek and so shiny, and her eyes are orange, and um, then she's got, you know, of course, the black pupils, and then she just, now she's all over Jasmine, and um, so, but it's it's amazing, because when she first walked into the room, all of a sudden, Devin put the hand down, he was petting her, and then she jumped up on Jasmine, and Jasmine's, <laughs> Jasmine's with her now, and she's a handful, isn't she, Jasmine? She, yeah, she's all kitten. Yeah, she loves the attention. She's spreading the love to everyone. <laughs> yep. She is, she's a sweetie. But it's funny, because she's the type of cat that, you know, before we went on air, she has to have your attention. If you're on your cell phone, or you're reading something, and you're not giving her attention... She will swat it out of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I'm finding that, you know, especially domesticated animals, cats or dogs, really don't like, and obviously a lot of people will say, you know, my animal doesn't like when I'm on the computer or when I'm on the phone. And it's, they don't exactly know what you're on, but they know that you're not in the actual moment with them, right. if that makes sense. Right. So, you know, to stop you, to to get in the moment, and maybe you don't need to look at that time on the phone or you don't need to do something. Um, animals are pretty intuitive with that. 
Yeah, no, Jasmine actually put her papers down and she started like <laughs> petting her and rubbing her feet. head. And now she's all calmed down <laughs> and she's like, yes, she's like ready to like zonk out. <laughs> and then I bet Jasmine, you're like, why was I even looking at those papers to begin with, right? So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, she's a sweetie, that's for sure. But, you know, I want to get into a couple of subjects with you on, you know, the, the human animal bond, basically. But, but one of the things that, like I said, they are a great, um, entity to have in your life when you're going through a hard time. Yes, absolutely. And I would say that, you know, I've been asked often, well, why did you wait till now to do this? You know, years ago when I was more active, um, out in the world, more in media sense with my work, um, I just, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know how to present it. And to, I'm sure we can all relate. I had to go through, um, some loss. I had lost my dog, Emma, who was with me on all my, my travels right before, um, we all were kind of locked in there. And I was really somewhat alone for a little while. I didn't know how, that, how important, I mean, of course I know that importance of that connection, but I really had to learn what it really meant by not by the loss of that. If that yeah, makes by not, sense, by not, um, by I, not having it anymore in your life, that's correct. difficult. Jocelyn, hold on. We got to take a break. We're going to come back with you. We're speaking with Jocelyn Kessler. Her organization is called Being Animal, and the website is being-animal.com. So check it out. But once again, you are listening to Talking Pets. I'm John Patch. Jasmine, the dog trainer. Devin Lee. And we'll be right back with more of Talking Pets. Check us out on Facebook Live at Talking Pets Radio. Are you listening to this right now with a cell phone clenched between your teeth as you frantically flip pages on your paper calendars? Or are you a new breed of groomer, bred for speed and efficiency of movement? 123 Pet Software automates your communications, doing the reminding, confirming, thanking, and marketing for you. 123 Pet centralizes your schedule, employees, clients, inventory, and more. 123 Pet is the business management software you need. Start minding your business today. Visit 123petsoftware.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. mother might be the key to improving the care of young cats in shelters and foster homes. New research out of the University of California, Davis, UC Davis, demonstrates orphaned kittens experience higher levels of stress when briefly removed from their nest in the first few weeks of their lives than those who were mother-reared. The study looked at the kittens and mother cats cared for in foster homes Researchers separated orphaned and mother-reared kittens from their nest and litter mates for two-minute periods, recording the number of vocalizations displayed by the animals as well as their overall level of activity. These behaviors were noted because they are often exhibited by young animals when they are separated from their mothers as a way to find their way back to their nest. 
The researchers observed more crying and movement in orphaned kittens as compared to those who were mother-raised. The findings say suggest the effects of early maternal separation persist for at least the first few weeks of a cat's life. Young kittens naturally spend most of their time with their mothers and the long-term effects of being orphaned are largely unknown. The study, UC Davis says, could improve the care of kittens put in animal shelters or foster homes in the, in the event of early separation. Researcher Michael Delgado, PhD, a postdoctoral fellow at the USC, UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine, emphasizes the findings do necessarily mean kittens raised apart from their mothers will have a tougher upbringing. Although we are interpreting these behaviors as signs of stress, she says, it's important to note orphaned kittens receive specialized care and there may even be some benefits to being raised, hand raised by humans, especially if kittens have litter mates for appropriate social interactions. The study, which was supported by Maddie's Fund, and international, oh, sorry, Maddie's Fund and the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences, National Institutes of Health, has been published Applied Animal Behavior Science. For more information to join our, for more information and to join our social media family, visit TalkingPets.com. Reporting, I'm Jasmine, the dog trainer. And we're speaking, of course, with uh, Jocelyn Kessler. She is uh, with Being Animal, an organization out there, and we're finding out a little bit more about it. And, you know, I was curious, um, Jocelyn, on when you said that you were working with people with animals and all, can you give us an example of a case that you did with someone, like, what, um, you know, and help them in, well, in regarding the bond between the animal and themselves? Well, I think, you know, it's sort of, I mean, the specific case, I think that in with, what I have found mostly that has brought me to define being being animal with human beings and their dog, and not too, uh, I think it was about a few weeks ago that I had to deal with something with a human being and their animal, and, uh, you know, going through being um, isolated for so long, you have, you've had a change of how you feel about yourself, um, the animal uh, has, you know, gone through or your dog has gone through being very excited that you're home and, and more time. And then all of a sudden things change again and you have to go out to work or um, you have to go back into the world differently. And I had found that with the specific individual and their dog, dog was very, very upset about the transition to go back to work, to go back in to the world again after being so connected. And the real, you know, the real highlight of that is, is that both with the human being and the dog, we have to work on 
well, this is the next level. How do you feel about going out there? What are you holding? You know, your animal is responding that all of a sudden I'm not going to have you the same way and you're going to leave. And so often I find that when I was working with her and her dog, the constant question was, or the constant phrase was, I always knew that he was upset about that, or I felt that when I started to leave after not being gone for so long, there started to be accidents in the house, or there was scratching on the door. And I said to her, how do you feel about what you're doing and going out in the world and what you're doing? Take take the dog out of the scenario for a sense, because obviously there's something being thrown off, that it's not that you're not going to go back to work by any means, and you're not going to go do that, but we have all been through a massive shift, um, and we all have to re-channel and reconnect how we're going to move forward, and that includes our dogs. And then in this case, she wasn't happy with going back to the job that she was doing. She wasn't happy with the job to begin with. Um, She just felt lucky to have it, and she always wanted to do something different. And that was interesting that once she decided to change that, her dog responded differently to her. There was not much, as much neuroses. There were no accidents in the house. They had communication about, well, what's the best way to do this? And I only cite this as an example because most people would never approach, no matter how much, you know, a lot of us do, but there are a lot that don't, no matter how much they love their animal, they don't approach it any differently than, you know, they approach it differently than they would a human being. You know, you would have a conversation. This is what we're doing. You know, this is how I feel about this. And your dog is really reacting, believe it or not, to what you're really holding back and you're not happy with majority of the time. And that change then changes the relationship to the animal, and then the animal responds differently. Now, that's not all the case all cases, obviously, but in this specific one and seeing that we're coming out of very different times, you know, people are not only dealing with their children and their families of saying, okay, now we're doing this differently, but we are doing it with our domesticated animals and all that energy and being with them and all that new type of attention or more awareness to them all of a sudden feels like, oh, that time is done. We're out again. Bye-bye. And a human being wouldn't understand that, nor would your dog. (laughs) So there are different ways to clear that up, and it goes with conversation with yourself, with your animal, new ways to make it more comfortable for them if they've been with you all this time and now they leave. I suggest copper fountains, which you can get for indoor. The house are cheap to calm a mind. But I know it's going to be difficult come COVID because, you know, when people, um, COVID goes away and people are going back into the workplace, um, you know, that's going to change a lot of uh, what you're saying right now is the personalities going on. So there is a lot involved. But your website is being-animal.com, and people can contact you there, right, Jocelyn? I would love them to contact me. And if you're in communities um, and you're doing something different to expand with animals, wild or local. We'll be right back after a short pause. It's October. And there are spooky scares everywhere. When it comes to your dog's everyday health, you don't have to be spooked when you have daily dose. 
daily dose is a two-in-one dog chew that pairs a powerful dental scrub with vet-developed supplements for full body health and seriously clean smiles. Now pay attention through October 31st. Enter for a chance to win all four bags of daily dose in coming joint heart and skin health. Just post a picture of your pup smile with the hashtag Serious Smile Sweeps to any of PetLife Radio's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook pages. Good luck! <laughs> Visit YourPetsDailyDose.com to save $3 on your first bag with promo code PETLIFE. That's YourPetsDailyDose.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Rewind. <laughs> Author Mark Winnick stops by Talking Pets to chat about his book, The Dog Healers, a novel. Mark, um, tell us actually how you decided to write The Dog Healers. Was it your, tri- it was well, your trip to Argentina, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, on a trip to Argentina, I was really captivated by, there's a huge wa- dog walking community in Buenos Aires, and, and dog walkers come out every morning, and they walk anywhere from 3 to 20 dogs at a time, and then wow. I, it, for me, it was just, yeah, I was just totally fascinated by this site. I think there's no other place in the world where you you see such a, a a massive community of dog walkers. Maybe New York, but I don't even think New York compares with what yeah. they have in Buenos Aires. And I was so fascinated. I happened to uh, meet a, a very innovative dog walker there by the name of Carlos DeMarco, and he was also known as the dog dealer. And I actually spent three days with him. I was so fascinated by his his life and, and his view of animals and, and philosophy about animals and how they help heal the and lift the human spirit. Anybody so, who can walk that many uh, dogs and, and I'm, you know, a, a, a handler and a trainer and, but I'm, I'm oh, amazed nice. when yeah. I see people walk that many dogs and, no one's getting yanked around, and everyone yeah, no one stops gets killed, when somebody. That we know of. Yep, gets yep. A, you know, nobody gets in a fight. No, yep. everybody stops when it's time right. to pick things up, and everybody's just yep. doing. They're like on this. It's this very yep. interesting, some kind of something between the that that particular human who's able to control like their minds and the way that they work together. I think it's amazing. So I love dogs. I have to. Yeah. I have yeah. to say, Mark, I'm, I'm a cat daddy. So I, I want. <laughs> are you going to come out with the cat healer? <laughs> well, you know, I think I think that's the, the cat healers for for somebody else that knows more about cats. You know, and I it's love cats, but I'm allergic. It's a great story for just animal lovers. I just really love it. So you just made Julie uh, sneeze. <laughs> She's trying so bad to hold back that sneeze so she didn't sneeze on you answering that question. Well, go ahead, let it out, girl. Well, let maybe, it out. Maybe my allergies are <laughs> contagious for her. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to tell you, you're like. Your show, I think it's the one of the best pet shows in the country, and it's really you guys are. I I gotta say, this is the most fun I've ever had with an interview. So thanks, Mark. Oh, awesome. I appreciate uh-huh. that. Well, that about wraps it up for this. <gasps> Talking pets rewind. I'm Daisy Charlotte. <laughs>
Attention all swan lovers. Officials in Lakeland, Florida are making plans for a swan sale in the week's end. The reason for the unusual event? The city spends $10,000 a year feeding and caring for them. The picturesque birds are also largely overpopulated, which causes quality of life issues for them, according to Lakeland's website. We currently have 80 swans here on Lake Morton to feed and care for. So we are looking to sell around 30 to 40 to ensure proper care for them all. Bob Donahue, Lakeland's Director of Parks and Recreation, told CNN. We are fortunate to have veterinarians in town who donate their services to our annual annual wellness roundups here where we check the health of all of our swans, Donahue said. While the city does not conduct background checks on each buyer, Donahue says, they try to do they try they do try to get to know each prospect before selling. We will have a great conversation about who they, the buyers, are and what their plans are for the swan or swans. And then we we also make ourselves readily available if any of the swans experience medical issues down the road, Donahue said. What do the new owners do with the animals, Donahue says? Everyone who buys a swan has somebody some body of water in near their homes where the swans can live comfortably. Others place their swans in wedding venues or funeral or nursing homes. Donahue says the price is $400. A number Donahue probably says is below market. For more information, join our social media family. Visit TalkingPets.com reporting. I'm Devin Leach. All things must pass. Hi, this is John Van Ark, and you're listening to Talking Pets with John Patch. And once again, this is Talking Pets, and of course, we're speaking with Jocelyn Kessler. And uh, Jocelyn, I wanted to get in. I was asking if people can contact you, and I'm sorry we went into the break there, so um, I held you over. I uh, hope that was okay. But um, that's fine. That's fine. Yes, I'm just, listening to Swan. Yeah. About Swan. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> How do people get a hold of you? And and um, I would imagine through your website is that it? Absolutely, they can get a hold of me through being-animal dot com. Um, we can do. I can you have private sessions from there. We also encourage. There's the sector to please write to us if you have a unique story in the way you're relating to your animals or your community or. Is your business and your animal not exactly the same, but you work together and expand? We want to hear your stories, and you can do all that on being high an animal, and we will get back to you, and, and I really want to see how we can highlight either we get to you or we do it through Zoom, but I really want those unique relationships to animals, land, wild, domestic. I really want to highlight how these unique people are doing this out in the world so that others can really learn uh, to balance that in their own lives with their animals. So we're encouraging to come Come on, come on over to being hyphen an animal and do that. Have you contemplated actually writing another book? 
You know, it's funny, John, that you said that because, of course, you know, I've been asked throughout the years, and then you always feel like so far behind. I'm not, you know, writing is very difficult for me, and it has definitely been in play. I think I was waiting for just the right way to do it, and being animal has really given me that foundation, and my guess is, you know, it'll probably revolve around exactly this, and I have started to pen some pages for sure, and taking some time to do this right so that it really does benefit. You know, I'm I'm talking about something that's a little different out there. It's just an extra tool. People are doing great things with their animals. I'm just a different view of saying, well, maybe we can find balance in our minds from understanding our animals a little bit better. And if you don't have an animal, you know, the bird that flies over your head or the breeze that brushes, you know, along your face when you're feeling heavy, Maybe it's more than just a moment that it's a, it becomes a feeling or an understanding of all that we are connected to on a base, bare, essential, real way. You know, our land, our animals, the, you know, the air we breathe. I'm trying to take it up a notch of saying, okay, we know we have this. What happens if we can really use the feeling we feel, not the image in the moment to say, oh, isn't that beautiful when my animal does that, or they're so graceful, but to actually use the energy that you observe for yourself moving forward, that instinctual grace that animals show us, I think is invaluable to use that energy even subtly in our world where it has nothing to do with our animals. Is it business? Is it, are we processing some heavy emotion? Goodness knows we are all doing that right now. And that in-the-moment, quick, decisive, decisive, instinctual feeling that animals are so wonderful with is really something if we can hold on to the feeling and breathe into it and let it permeate what is more static so we can find a decision, so we can trust our instinct and learn from them that way, I believe, is the new level of how we relate to our animals moving forward in these new times. And so I'm quite... Uh, I'm really into it, and that's probably going to be somewhat the basis of the next book. <laughs> well, we look forward to it, and uh, when you're ready to put it out and you've got it all done, of course, you know where I am. So, uh, you know, give me a ring. Absolutely, and I just want to thank you again, John. I know it's been some years, and, and thank all of you for having me. It's been a delight, and you guys are really wonderful. I know you've been doing this a long time, and I really appreciate your work. Thank you. Yeah, 30 years. Say hello to Denver for us. Is it getting cold up there? I will. What? Is it getting cold up there? Yes, it is. In fact, I went up hiking the last few days. I've been trying to chase some elk um, for an episode we're doing about a community that has to balance uh, the people and the elk of the community to be able to succeed. And I've been up, and it was 25 degrees this morning. Um, and, of course, I did not see any elk, but it sure was. It's getting chilly here, for sure. 25 is not chilly. 25 is freezing. Yeah, right. I don't even <laughs> know. <laughs> what are you guys running at in Tampa? What uh, is it 80, out there? It's 82 right now. Yeah, we freak out when it gets below 70. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I can we, tell you, I'm newly transferred from L.A., so 25 for me, I really have to breathe through it, to tell yep. you the truth. Well, it's beautiful yeah. country up there, I hear. And and don't get too close to those elk, because I hear they can be quite aggressive, so uh, just be careful. 
They are. They are, and they can clearly run their own schedule because everyone says if you get here at 7.15, you'll see them. If you get there at 6.30, you'll see them. And every time I get there, I'm not seeing them. So they obviously have their own schedule, and, and I'll have to keep gunning for them at this point. But I'll, I, will, I definitely keep a distance for sure. Well, Jocelyn, thanks for joining us on the show. Great pleasure and good to talk with you again. Uh, be safe and be well. And um, also um, make sure those elk are wearing their masks when you get too close. <laughs> thanks, Jocelyn. Uh, they will. I'm, I'm going to make sure that's completely enforced. I don't know about social distancing, but, you know, we'll get those masks on for sure. <laughs> Sounds good. The website is being-animal, so it's B-E-I-N-G hyphen animal dot com. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Jocelyn, take care, and uh, and we'll talk with you soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. you, too. And that's Jocelyn Kessler, and, of course, the website is beinganimal.com, and uh, you can check it out right there, and uh, you can contact her as well. She does, like, um, instinctual stuff. She does, like, also, like... Um, psychic kind of stuff with animals and okay. being but you know on, on the realm of what she's talking about i see where she's going with with this organization being animal and i like the concept uh-huh. of, of where she's going with it and um because i think what it is it is a lot of people don't become in tune with right. their surroundings we live our lives and we do this we do point a we do point b but we don't pay attention kind of like you know stop and smell the roses yeah every you know, it's easy to go on to autopilot right. when we've got the same type of routine every day. and Groundhog day. Exactly. So, yeah, no, it, you know, it's just, uh, so I understand the concept of this, and I, I think it's very fascinating because it fascinates me because um, when you really pay attention to even the animals in your life and your mm-hmm. home or whatever, you can see the difference. Right. I mean, you can understand them. You can uh, perceive their their being and what they're all about and their characteristics and behaviors. Um, but you just got to take the time to pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll be right back. Once again, I'm John Patch. Jasmine, the dog trainer. Devin Leach. You can watch us, if you wish, on Facebook Live at Talkin' Pets Radio. No G in the talking. And um, give us a call. Jasmine's in the house, 844-305-7800. If you've got a training or a behavior question, 844-305-7800. Once again, this is Talking Pets. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy, and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. 
So now I've got this pack of four Sharpay Rescue dogs for, oh my goodness, probably five, six years. They get a regular diet of Dynavite with every meal. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. People remark on what beautiful coats they've got. I tell them, you don't need to wait until a problem presents itself. It's far better to keep the dog happy and healthy at all times. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Conservation and animal protection groups on Wednesday filed a notice of intent to sue the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for failing to consider Endangered Species Act protections for the Africa's rapidly dwindling giraffe population. The group's Center for Biological Diversity, the Humane Society of the United States, Humane Society International, and several others petitioned for giraffe protections in April 2017, but the species still has not received the legally required finding that was due in April 2018, nor any protection under the Act. Last year, after a lawsuit filed by the groups, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service determined that the giraffes may qualify for protections under the Act, but the agency has failed to make a decision or implement a protective measure. Now, giraffes are loved by people all around the world, so it's shocking and sad that the United States government is ignoring their traffic plight, said Tanya Sinera, International Legal Director at the Center for Biological Diversity. As giraffe populations plummet, these extraordinary creatures desperately need the Endangered Species Act's sturdy shield. But three years after we petitioned for protections, federal officials are still stalling on safeguards for everyone's favorite long-necked mammal. With fewer than 69,000 mature individuals remaining in the wild, giraffes have been undergoing what was has been called a silent extinction. Giraffe populations have dropped nearly 40% due to habitat loss, civil unrest, and poaching. And the international trade in bone carving, skins, and trophies puts additional pressure on these iconic animals. The United States has an important role to play in preventing extinction of these magnificent creatures. As the top importer of giraffe trophies, and as many Americans import giraffe parts, including bones and skins, to sell them for commercial purposes in the United States, said Adam Payman, Wildlife Programs Director for Human or Humane Society International, speaking on behalf of Humane Society International and the Humane Society of the United States. The time has long passed for the Fish and Wildlife Service to take action and put in place desperately needed protections. Parties to the Convention on the International Trade in Endangered Species decided in 2019 to regulate international trade in giraffes, including trophies and other body parts, by placing the species on Appendix 2 of the Convention. But several key exporting countries in Africa have expressed that they do not intend to implement or enforce the Endangered Species Act requirements with respect to giraffes, even though the listing only requires export permits and reporting of international trade in giraffes. Protection under the Endangered Species Act is desperately needed to help curb imports of giraffe bones and trophies and other parts to the United States and increase funding for conservation efforts for the species. On average, the U.S. imports more than one giraffe hunting trophy a day, 
and imported more than 21,400 giraffe bone carvings between 2006 to 2015. Many of the imported giraffe parts are turned into frivolous decorative items such as pillows, boots, Bible covers, or jackets. The International Union for the Conservation of Nature assessed giraffes as vulnerable to extinction in 2016 and classified two giraffe subspecies as endangered and two more as critically endangered in 2018. For more information and to join our social media family, visit TalkinPets.com. Give us a call at 844-305-7800. This is Talkin' Pets. Because we have long legs and bright eyes already tall when we arrive. A long neck to reach the trees, a slippery tongue which steals the leaves. Long legs and bright eyes already tall when we arrive. A long neck to reach the trees, a slippery tongue which steals the leaves. A giraffe is his name at the top of his game. Spotty fur to keep us safe from animals who like our taste. Two horns upon our heads, stay on our feet to go to bed. Long legs with bright eyes, already tall when we arrive. Long neck to reach the trees, a slippery tongue which steals the leaves. And giraffe is his name at the top. Can you believe actually that they, like, one a day a giraffe is imported, like a full giraffe is imported into the United States That's crazy. for trophies? Yeah, it's crazy. Or for people stuffing them or whatever and Ugh. and then bone carvings and so on and so forth. You know, it's like they move from the rhinos where they chop off the horns and just leave the animal there to die. Yeah. And, and then they, you know, they the elephants with their tusks and the ivory and then now they're doing giraffes. I mean, they're working their way through the, through the chain. Yeah, I saw a story about like these rare white giraffes. There was only like three left or something, and two of them were found dead. Um, where somebody just did it for their horns. It's like that's crazy. I just I just find it um, appalling. I guess, um, but more than appalling, I find it disgusting. Um, yeah. I mean, these animals are are beautiful creatures, mm-hmm. and, and and they're saying I think it was sixty nine thousand mature uh, animals left in the world. Um, so 69,000 isn't a lot when you consider it. Right. Look at COVID here in in this country, the United States, we've lost 218,000 people so far. Um, and six, there's only 69 giraffes. Lord forbid, you know, they, they kill them all. What's left? It's just, you know, the wild is disappearing because. Because humans are irresponsible. (laughs) Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and not to get political, because I'm I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to behave myself. (laughs) But but it is a statement in the news is that the Trump administration has squashed a a lot of environmental and endangered species act. Like um, protection? Yes. Uh. And, and, And just so he can, you know, or he or whoever can go in and drill in these forests or these countries or... That's disgusting. I mean, his son is a trophy hunter, and he goes out and shoots these animals just for trophies. Um, it's just... I just don't get people in general, not just him, but... All- I don't understand the obsession with wanting to destroy our environment, our wildlife, like, period. <laughs> and, and it's weird because it's like I'm not I'm not against hunting or anything like that because I used to hunt and if you're you, one you're controlling like the deer population for instance right. which could be overgrown but the thing is but not only that, but, endangered but right or, it's, it's not endangered but you are using it for food right. I mean you're feeding yourself and your family on on that animal yeah um so you know I, I'm more I'm not 
I wouldn't call myself like I'm more like Betty White. You know, she and I talked, and we're animal welfare. Yeah. Um, I do believe in animal rights, but there are fine lines in between everything. Right. So, anyway, um, but if you see a petition on it, please sign it. Um, we need to keep the wild animals that we have. They are the true beauty on this planet, and we're just killing them more and more. But thanks for joining us in this hour of Talking Pets, and a special thank you to Jocelyn Kessler from Being Animal. Also, of course, a special thanks to Jasmine, the dog trainer. And uh, shout out to Devin and Darian, our producers. And uh, thanks for joining us in this hour. Spay and neuter your pets and help control the pet population. And by the way, if you are going to adopt a pet, go to your local shelter or rescue and get one there. And don't forget, hopefully once COVID is over, hopefully the pets that you adopted will not be. This is Talking Pets. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.